0: Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential.
1: Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co host at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are the managing director of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more about that at masters.vc. Hi, Jillian. How are you today? I'm doing great. What's on your mind? Oh, money, 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 you know, like that song from Cabaret. Money, money, money makes the world go round. That's what we're talking about. Okay. We began taping CEO Coach Podcast together some years ago. I think some is something like Seven, eight years ago, long, a lifetime like oh that, a <laughs> lifetime. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, over the years, we shared business, marketing, and finance information and advice to help CEOs build successful companies in the tech sector, because both as entrepreneurs and then as investors, we've known for a very long time that money is the top of mind for every entrepreneur in every sector and every region around the world, which brings yeah. us to a show about money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without capital to grow your company, you are sunk. Well, you know, actually, Absolutely. that's sort of a mixed metaphor. Uh, <laughs> you can't float it without without oh, capital okay. <laughs> or uh, without capital to grow your company you um it's gonna stymied st- Stuck. You're st- Stuck. <laughs> you stumped. Know. stumped. there we go stumped I like stumped
2: yeah, okay right. I think bonsai you know bonsai Right. It's, it's, beautiful, right? But it's really small yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay so you're absolutely right and that's why we started VC Confidential, because it was time to talk about just the money, especially as you and I have moved from entrepreneurs to ourselves into being investors, and now, of course, managing the master's fund, where we're trying to uh, you know, expand things, right? And that's why it's so important for us, by the way, to level this playing field so capital isn't only restricted to white males. And I know Others are getting funded and the numbers are rising. But, you know, truly not fast enough and not large enough. So the world's most pressing problems, I would posit, are not going to be solved by one small sliver of the human population. It's really time to expand access to capital to a much broader group of people. And we're talking across race, religion, gender, economic privilege, all kinds of things, right? We got to stop just kind of the same people funding themselves. Now, we don't want to break that up. We want to expand that pie.
1: Absolutely. I love pie, and a bigger pie is always better. You also, uh, we, we also think about expanding geographic um, mm-hmm. areas. You know, there are a lot of good companies that are being built
2: in places other than Silicon Valley, New York, and Boston. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And often that leads to serious opportunities for investors as well. So it's better for entrepreneurs, it's better for investors, and it's better for the communities that are serving them. Exactly.
1: We don't want to reduce the sums being invested in the usual suspects. We want to expand invested capital to build solutions based on new technologies. In short, we look for ways to fund teams building better ways to live and work together. To that end, we've taken a pretty deep dive into conventional venture equity funding it's kind of a mouthful, Jillian. It um, is. <laughs> and we have unequivocally determined that it is not the best plan for most newly formed companies, i.e., yeah. most startups. So, yeah. Jillian, in our previous uh, VC confidential shows, we have talked about conventional venture equity, venture debt, venture capital with structured exits. Now, let's put it all together and introduce the concept
2: of a capitalization stack. Oh, you're on. I love me a good capitalization stack. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a good stack of pancakes. You know, they come in different sizes. They come in different thicknesses. They're the thin ones. And those alone have lots of names. They're crepes and Swedish pancakes and palatinkin. And, you know, they're all yummy they're all slightly different and the slightly different you could translate to, you know, the nuances that you can bring to a conversation about a capitalization stack. And they got so many toppings, you know? The toppings are like the Addendum A agreements that provide that customized funding vehicle that serve the entrepreneurs, the investors, and the communities. I keep saying that far better than just a stack of bleached wheat refined sugar mix that comes up as that usual pancake. There's a lot more out there. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking, um, I I wasn't making that very bad analogy between pancakes, by the way, I promise. But (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, I was talking on how to rethink your capitalization stack over at Project W series. It's called On the Rebound, and it focuses on how we can and will emerge from this recession uh, that's caused by the global pandemic. So I'm pumped. Let's talk. Well, before we get onto that, let's take a moment and...
1: Let people know about the great work the Project W does. Uh, It's a project uh, launched by Davis Wright Tremaine uh, with a mission to help women founders succeed and help women take their places in the C-suite and boardroom. And they do this in partnerships with other similarly mission-driven organizations. And I am happy and proud to say that we are honored to be a part of their collective.
2: Yep. I would agree. So, you know, the, our colleagues over at DWT are really quite amazing. You know, this is a company and a team that really puts their money where their mouth is. Project W isn't just window dressing. You know, we've seen a lot of that, Anne, in our time. <laughs> but hundreds of hours have gone into the planning and execution of a truly excellent curriculum. I've uh, engaged in a few things and when they opened up the Seattle uh, chapter here. And, you know, there's hours of volunteer time from advisors like us that have been donated, uh, salary times of their employees they've donated their meeting spaces, and now their tech services to host these women from really all backgrounds and all spaces and all places. And they're really trying to break into tech entrepreneurship, and DWPT is uh, supporting them. So it's been really valuable and successful, and uh, I'm delighted to say it's expanding. So hats off to our friends over at DWT on that one. Uh, agreed. And since we
1: sound like Ab- abject fan girls here. <laughs>
3: <I'll> <laughs> we do, out.
1: don't we? <laughs> yeah, oh, but but that's because we we love the women at DWT. Um, I'll point out that our listeners at DWT. Oh, and by the the guys <laughs> there too. <laughs> yes, um, guys our, and girls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll point out that our listeners at DWT. Um, that that DWT did not pay us to say these things. This is really a full throated endorsement for p- good people doing good work.
2: Absolutely. Yes. And yeah, they're extraordinary folks. So good colleagues. Anyway, on then to uh, rethinking your capitalization stack. <laughs> All right. Um, so do we still have time here before we have to take a break? We for have our, our... a couple of minutes. We could, <laughs> okay. uh, Let's just start with a,
1: a, a why.
2: A oh, why should you have a capitalization stack? Yeah.
1: Instead huh. of just, you know, I'm going to go get me some venture venture capital, which is what we hear over and over okay. and over
2: again. Well, um, I would say for the first uh, piece we've taken a hatchet to a scalpel job for way, way, way too long, right? If you have only one piece of, you know, one way, if you will, to capitalize companies this way, and you ain't going to go to the bank for it unless you're mortgaging your house to do that. And you can, but it's not advisable. Um, then, you know, it's, it is a hatchet to a scalpel job and it doesn't fit everybody. We, talk again and again and again about the numbers around venture capital. 80% of every venture funded company dies in five years. 16% will go along, but not have an exit, which is sale or IPO. I'm just one of those two things, right? And finally, 4% or a little less even carries an entire fund. And with that, you have to focus on things like 100x and 400x exits. You're only looking for a unicorn. You're willing to, if you will, waste all the other companies. It's not really good for the entrepreneurs, and it's certainly not good for the communities that serve them. well, it's actually only they are tiny sliver. Yes, and that's uh, what I would add to that
1: even more vehemently is they do waste mm-hmm. a huge amount of companies and mm-hmm. a, a huge amount of money. Um I was thinking, you know, investors could just take their dollars, you know, and light matches
2: to them because they're not getting anything <laughs> not back. So yeah. I, I but, constantly but point is, say, though, you know, yeah. we shouldn't get down on venture capital. It's just how it's being applied. Exactly. Venture capital was designed to fund innovation. It was going to, if you will, blow away 80, 90, 98% didn't matter of the companies and ideas, really. It was going to fund the 2% that was going to power the next generation of the planet. And it did just that. It was designed 75 years ago, 74, 75 years ago, right? Right. So it's not designed to fund all of those companies that are leveraging the software that powers the next big thing. Think IoT and blockchain. and AR, VR, and so on, right? It's not designed to fund the companies that leverage that software to build the next really decent thing that could return a nice, you know, return on investment. It's designed to fund the companies that invent that stuff. Precisely. Right. And so that has been useful for 75 years. Yes. And, and should continue.
1: And should continue. Right, And now it's time to evolve the rest of it for a whole lot of good reasons that you and I talk about all the time. And after we come back from our break that we now have to take for our sponsors, why don't we get into how the startups can look at this and possibly investors um, can look at uh, different kinds of capitalization stacks. So we'll come back and talk about what comprises a capitalization stack and um, why it's important for the long-term play. This is Mm -hmm. VC Confidential, and we'll be right back.
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up.
3: That's podcast.wmr.fm.
0: Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you since 2002 topseos.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings let top seos give you peace of mind topseos.com the independent authority on search vendors Ann kennedy and jillian music are back with the inside scoop on what vcs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.fm.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy and I'm here with Jillian Music talking about what you, as an investor, entrepreneur, or advisor, need to know about venture capital. And in this case, we're expanding the pie here to talk about capitalization stacks and how you can rethink how a company is capitalized and from all kinds of angles. So Jillian, let's go into the, the, the real details of what uh,
2: comprises the cap- capitalization stack. Absolutely. I would always start with things like crowdfunding. I don't start with friends and family because that's actually part of conventional venture capital, right? It says that those people won't get their money out until you sell or have an IPO. So let's start with things like crowdfunding because that's really kind of an either go fund me because you love me or my idea or it's pre-orders right? When you have, I don't know, I bought a bicycle that way once. I I put down my money and it was less expensive than the bicycle would be once the place got off the ground. That's assuming they got off the ground. It was great. And then once I did it for some kind of a smart lock for my condo and it had all kinds of fancy things, the company didn't make it, so I never got one. That's the crowdfunding thing, right? Pre-orders or you love my idea. The next one would be this conventional venture capital, which we all know about, but that's kind of that, you know, slamming that down your throat, it's the only thing we hear. So, let's get on with that. Truly, it's just exchanging stock for for, uh, cash, right? Stock is equity. So, you're going to give away some stock, you're going to get some capital, you're going to grow to the next level at the earliest stages even before series A things like angels or even friends and family you are giving away the most amount of stock for receiving the least amount of capital. It's not a good time for it. Right? So at the right. very beginning I would say, "Hey, let's not do that anymore." Right? Stop using venture equity to fund the very earliest stuff, unless of course, it's the software that's going to power the next big thing. That's a different deal. So, right,
1: okay. So, and or, or the technologies, I should and, say, I mean,
2: you know, like batteries. And, and
1: furthermore, from both perspectives of both the entrepreneur and the investor, there is no return until there is a sale or IPO, a uh, liquidity event,
2: as they say. So, right. And you have so an you- illiquid investment. For Precisely. that 10, 15 years until you get to that exit. And that's the most common angel complaint that we heard when we first started looking into forming a fund, right? And we started addressing this, like what, what do we see that's not working and how do we make it work? And so, again, you know, like I talk about these 30 guys who have known each other for 30 years behind closed doors and Sand Hill Road plus two guys in Boston, one in New York, right? It's like, yeah, there's, in other words, a small select group of people who make a fortune, in venture equity but not a whole lot of others so let's not get into that kind of problem area if you will the first one's crowdfunding the second one is this conventional venture capital and then there's venture debt and truly that's just any loan it's a loan from banks and uh, it's a loan from uh, individuals it's a loan from you know other sources whether they're collateralized or not it makes no difference okay so, when we look at that, I think that's an important piece. Venture debt is a loan. It can be a bridge loan. It could be a long-term loan. It could be a hard money commercial bridge loan, right? It could be uh, that you have uh, a real estate that you want to collateralize. There's all kinds of ways to do this. That's pretty simple. And then we get into this concept of the structured exit venture capital. You and I talked about that last week, right, uh, Anne? Yes, yes, yeah, because yeah. there's some, uh, it's not that new, the
1: language. It's been around about five years, but mm-hmm. uh, it needs to be said more often the, the concepts of structured exits, mm-hmm. um, meaning not exit for the entrepreneur, but exit for the investor. You know, it's correct when the investor is right. going to get their exit. And that um, we are learning as we talk to some of the really large investment firms, the institutionals, as they call them in the business, right. uh, that this actually – this sounds better to them than saying debt, although – Well, it's also very different, by the it's, way.
2: It's, yeah. it's very different. Um, and here's how it differs, and that's kind of an important thing for those investors who are listening as well. Venture debt is a loan right? You are going to hand somebody some money, and they're going to hand it back to you with interest over time. You will be taxed on the interest, okay? That's a taxable and event. Gen- so generally, far, so is good. ordinary income. Um, well, interest income, so it depends on on how your portfolio is put together, but it's interest okay. income. You put it on your Schedule A, away you go, okay? Yeah. Now, um, with revenue share lending, it's a loan that's paid back by you know a share in revenue, that sort of thing. That's all fine. The difference between that and a structured exit venture capital investment is you've made a venture capital investment. You got equity, you bought it, and you bought it with cash. And the other guy gets the cash, grows his company, you get the equity, and you grow your portfolio. So far, so good. The deal with a structured exit is it has a buyback side agreement. I mean, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, that's what it is. It says that there will be a structured exit of of the investor from the activity of this investment. In other words, they've given you cash, you've given them equity, and at some point you begin to buy back that equity. And each time you buy a piece of equity, they have had an exit and they are structuring their exit over time. And in certain volumes of money, could be 1%, could be 10%, Percent at a time could be fifty percent at a time. However, you want to structure it. Again, it's that scalpel idea, right? You do it so that it serves the entrepreneur, the investor, and it serves them with time, cash, volume of returns, cost of capital. Think of all of those things. Is it good for the entrepreneur? Are they going to be able to grow their company without killing it, right? They don't have to exit. Way cool. And is it good for the investor? Does the investor want a seat on the board of directors, for example? Well, we do at the Master's Fund, right? We Absolutely. give a certain amount of capital. I mean, not for 10 bucks, but, you know, a significant investment. We're going to want a seat on that board for the duration of time that we own that stock. Right? And at the, that helps us to help this company focus on revenues, returns, the ability to, if you will, buy us out, take back that stock in exchange for capital, right? It's the reverse process. And yes, for the amount of time that they will have used that capital, and we're hanging on to their stock nominally as collateral, right, they will pay us a certain additional amount. That additional amount for having used our capital for a period of time, that is the return on investment. And it's truly as simple as that. Simple and yet, and beautiful and yet underutilized at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, yes, but it's growing. So I'm really, really pleased with that. So now we have crowdfunding conventional venture capital, only get out with an IPO or a sale, so it's really only good for a small percentage of companies that will make those massive returns, right? We shouldn't have VC com- uh, VC firms funding 100 companies in which two to four of them will survive and thrive and really give back outsized returns. You take that kind of risk, you should somehow mitigate it by not investing in all the others where you kind of knew in advance that it wasn't going to work, Heck with that, right? And again, if we look at then venture debt, it's any loan. It can come from a loan shark, which is why loans have such bad <laughs> reputations, right? But can also come from banks, right? Silicon Valley Bank is pouring money into the economy. The federal government is pouring money into the economy. The small business administration. All of these things, right? So we can see that loans can come from a number of places, and some of them are very, very low cost. I mean, 10-year loans at 3%, Germany's doing it, the United States is doing it. I think the UK has a similar one, right? And some of them will be forgiven a portion or all of the loan if you use the funds for specific needs. Great capital sources, right? So way cool. And then we get to this structured exit venture capital. It's really close to venture capital, but you get a much better shot at getting your capital back out. Way cool for both investors and entrepreneurs. But here's why it's really good for the communities in which the The companies exist. When you have a conventional venture capital um, kind of platform and only a few of these investors using massive amounts of institutional capital, these are the the names you know of in venture capital, right? Making outsized returns, um, Google, Facebook, Yahoo, I don't know, you know, Tesla, these kinds of returns, right? Then the rest of the VC uh, groups out there are really doing a very poor job. 51% said, um, what was it, uh, the Kaufman Foundation said, don't return a single dime, right? And all the numbers go on from there. When you have that going on, right, then you need to take a look at um, the communities in which the companies are working. If 80% die, that's really bad for the community, right? So these are the best companies on the planet. They got the venture capital when only a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of companies is ever going to get capital, they got it. And yet we killed them. Maybe they shouldn't have died. Maybe they weren't a bad idea. Maybe they needed a different kind of funding model. So that's why we look at it. Finally, we get to things like this concept the revenue share loan. Now, if stock is the collateral, then it's a VC structured exit deal. If stock is not the collateral, then it's a revenue-shared loan. Whether it's a loan or a venture capital investment, we'll speak to how the investors are taxed, how the company looks at its cap table, how the exit of this capital use you know, use of capital by the company is going to form, right? But you can use the same kind of structures and then mix and match to make it optimal for all parties. And then finally, we have things like dividend models and royalty agreements. A royalty agreement, essentially a revenue share loan. You're sharing in the revenue generated by a royalty, right? So if you have a kind of thing that could be licensed or you could get royalties if somebody uses it, well, that's when you call it a royalty agreement. But nominally, it's a Revenue, share, loan, based on royalties. Dividend models, they look like the public dividend model. So if you have stock that you bought in the stock market and it declares a dividend, that's the same idea. And in this case, you could call it a structured dividend model in which you say, hey, when you make $100,000 per month recurring revenue, you are going to declare a dividend at the end of that year, assuming six months had it or eight months had it, whatever. Again, you take a scalpel to it. You make an agreement with the entrepreneur. You might take a a seat on the board of advisors or directors, whatever you agree on again, so that you can help that company meet those goals. It's good for the company, good for the entrepreneurs, for their employees, for the community. You're not killing the business. You're actually all working to the same end to get the investor out of the deal. The investors want out with their return. The company wants them out and they want them off and running, right? The company should be off and running. If the capital they took in isn't gonna help them build the company, they shouldn't have taken it all. Because all of the stuff we just talked about, Anne, it's all growth capital. That's right. You don't use it for operating capital. You use it to grow the company.
1: And so in order for our wonderful uh, producers to grow their company. We need to take a break for our sponsors right now. but when Absolutely. we come back, <laughs> I think there is some um, there are really some larger more global issues that we could talk about why this is a good idea why this this is a, a better way to do things and so this is VC confidential and we'll be right back
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC confidential Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musiker are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.fm.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. We are so glad you joined us. In the last segment, we were talking about all the different ways to build a capitalization stack Kind of the way you build a stack of pancakes at a really good brunch, (laughs) and um, but there's there's a a larger issue here really about uh, how venture capital, um, in its uh, the conventional sense that has been existing for seventy five years, has done a really good job of building the uh, infrastructure that we now use to build on, but where it's falling short is in building up the companies that are built on that infrastructure, the next yes. big things. Yes. And, but, and so what occurs to me is, I keep going over and over in my head, there's this really discouraging number that we, uh, the uh, trend that we heard at the, um, uh, uh, what was it, the American Entrepreneurship Center in Washington, um, or the American Center for Entrepreneurship. It was their director, John Deary said, we are now in this country, at the, well, we were in November, okay, uh, Mm pre-COVID, last year, uh, we are the lowest rate of entrepreneurship in 44 years. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking there is some relationship with how The venture capital that has existed for the last 44 years flows into these mega companies. And that's good because they do what they do really, really well. And they need really big dollars to do it. And then there are uh, a, a small select group of the venture capitalists who are making the big bucks on all those deals. But there's a whole lot of the big middle, to quote Malcolm Gladwell, that's not getting served. And we know that innovation comes out of entrepreneurship. We've been proving it you know for 75 years. So mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a really big issue that I'm willing to go out on a limb and limb and defend that we need to look at it's to how we take scalpels to the jobs and customize funding. in other words, build a capitalization stack
2: mm-hmm. so? Yeah. Why so I is think it we a good pro- idea? <laughs> yeah. Why is it a good idea? Because conventional venture capital was designed to and does serve a very small sliver of companies very, very well. The problem rises when you try and slop it over far too many companies and it isn't the right match. It's like a sweater that doesn't fit. All right. Okay, then. So- um, so the question would really be, how do you use each kind of capital that we've just talked about, and when should you use it? And right. so the when kind of informs the the how, right? And so I would say that if you're looking to raise um, conventional venture capital, you are going to build, if you will, a billion-dollar company. And so, they do happen still. And, uh, they do, right. Yeah. And, and even an exit of a quarter of a billion or half a billion is a substantial exit and still um, you know, serves people well. So no, no problem there. But if you're going to do that, you still don't want to engage in conventional venture capital, which means angel investments or even friends and family perhaps, right? But certainly angel investment or early stage like Series A if you don't have to. Because, again, you're handing out the most amount of your stock for the least amount of capital. Now, I know that we're going to dilute that capital over time, right? but sometimes there is, if you will, an early exit, an earlier buyout, and it doesn't serve a whole lot of folks well. It doesn't serve the investors well. It doesn't serve you well. If the thing plays out to the end, by the time the earliest stage investor has plunked down their money, gotten a nice chunk of capital, I don't know, maybe they put down uh, two to five million for 20% of the company. Over time, that dilutes. By the time they get out, it's a very small piece. And even should they have a decent exit, not a massive exit, not the ones where that's, you know the 30 guys behind closed doors thing, right? Not one of those. But even if they have a decent exit, they've been so dramatically diluted that when you play out the numbers over time, they barely make the public markets. And the public markets go up and down and this and that. I know, they're crazy. But over time, the public markets earn a pretty stable 6 to 8%. Yeah. So if that's all you're going to make, even if you make 8 or 10% or 12%, hell, you can do that in a REIT, a real estate investment trust. So that's not a return that is commensurate with the risk of the asset class. So how do you do that, right? How would you say, I want to get two times my money. I'm going to put down 100 grand. I want to see 200 grand. And I want to see it before I would have earned that 200 grand in the public markets. So those of you who are early in life and haven't put these kinds of things aside for yourself yet, note that in the public markets, there's a rule of seven. Every seven years or so, you will double your money. Put 10 bucks down. Do not put it in the bank at less than 1%. But if you are putting down a buck in the public markets, you're likely to double it every seven years right? And that's across a broad, um, well-balanced portfolio. And it's probably even net of fees when you use somebody reasonable out there, you know, the big names of the money managers to do it for you. So that's the stuff that even, if you will, middle class and upper middle class folks, not the rich folks, not the super wealthy, right? Just the standard folks on the planet can know. So before you get to series A, consider another way consider a way in which you can buy out your investor so you have the equity in your pocket before you get to the Series A. Now, suppose you took Series A and you didn't have enough money to get to Series B. Now, what is enough money to get to Series B? It's really the capital required to grow the company to reach the benchmarks required to get to a Series B. No, we've got
1: to take that up next time. I know. We are out of time. I Uh, know. (laughs) So hold that thought the amount of capital required to get to a Series B. We're going to do a whole episode on how to build that. I hope that our listeners have uh, absorbed the message that they want to keep as much of their company as possible before they get to the big investors when they get that far. So that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. Uh, we invite you to join us each week for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on this inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who agree to take a chance on our new show, VC Confidential. You can listen to future shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts. You will also find all of our CEO coach podcasts there as well. About 10 years of them, I think. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. You can find out more about us at uh, outlinesventure.com. Till next week.
0: The opinions expressed on this program